God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about it, and I was talking to some people about the vaccines, and everybody's all over the place, you know. People are confused as to whether or not they should take the vaccine or not take the vaccine. We've never really taken a strong position one way or the other. I don't like the way it's being forced down our throats. That's number one. Number two, you know, it's never been done like this before. Um, Not only has Moderna and Johnson & Johnson never really rolled out a vaccine um, before in their lives, uh, we're being sold this everywhere we turn. And you wonder why it is. You know, something smells fishy. And it reminds me of... Two, two scenes, really, in two different movies. Well, one's a play. Music Man, the snake oil salesman, you know. There's trouble, trouble in River City. Trouble with a capital P that rhymes with P that stands for pool, right? That's Music Man. But there's another great scene in one of my favorite movies, Avalon. And that movie where it's like, it's not the product, it's the salesman. And so what we have here, and to quote Cool Hand Luke, right, was a failure to communicate. Now, what we have is we have a situation where we don't trust the salesman. And I truly believe that's the biggest hurdle. And they're fighting tooth and nail to get to that 70-30, not 50-50, not 60-40, but 70-30. And what do I mean by that? What I'm talking about is to advance public policy, you need corporate sponsorship. You need corporate endorsement. You need corporate investment. It's just like any other product, really. You know, who are your sponsors? Oh, we got Pepsi, Coca-Cola. We got Budweiser. We got, you know, all the big name brands. We got all these big names, so, you know, that believe in us. 
And so that helps us get more sales and momentum. But right now, the corporations are sitting on their hands. Like I told you the story in the uh, beginning of the week. I went to Best Buy over the weekend. And I said, what's your mask policy? And they said, as you are, however you wish. I said, wow, that's pretty amazing. Now I'm in Virginia, but boom. And I was like, wow, that's, in, that's very interesting. And it wasn't anything contingent upon the trust factor, although many people are lying about them saying, oh, I got the, ma- I got the vaccine, so I don't have to wear a mask, that kind of thing. And like I said, I was in Annapolis and there was this restaurant or this this uh, place. Walked in, what's your mask policy? And they said, well, if you had a vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask. If you didn't have a vaccine, you do have to wear a mask. And that's uh, based on the trust factor. Well, I was with some people that knew I didn't have the vaccine and I didn't want to be a liar in front of them. Although I would not have, I probably would not have hesitated to lie in certain circumstances. So, oh, yeah, sure, I've had the vaccine. Maybe. I mean, I'm not a saint, I'll admit. Um, but in that case, I said, oh, I had, I had the, I never had the vaccine. I, didn't, I haven't had the vaccine yet. In part because, you remember, I was sick. So I, I didn't want it. But I don't like the vaccine. I don't want to get the vaccine. And from what I hear, you know, according to Bill Maher and some others, it doesn't work. People are still testing positive despite the vaccine. So what good is it? Then I'm hearing all these side effects. There's a doctor that's talking about all kinds of problems with him. He said, basically, there's a threshold. It says, if you have like, you know, X number of cases of complaints and anomalies and side effects and all these things. We, we far surpassed all of those things. Now, I believe the rollout on this is much, much more dramatic and greater in number. But they were saying the percentage of side effects associated with the vaccine is greater than the historical average and the historical average being that there's a certain threshold before you pull the vaccine from the shelf. But see, the, the salesmen we don't trust, the government we don't trust, the government that rigs elections and that endorses uh, terrorist groups like Hamas and Hezbollah and as, uh, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, the same libtards that support the Palestinians over Israel, that help aid and abet Iran and their hatred and their arm, black market arms deals, black market oil distribution, trade for weapons and things like that. They're, you know, basically inducement of these missiles that are going into Israel by way of Hezbollah, and then the Palestinians by way of Hamas. And so you just look at that picture, and ever since Biden started giving money to the Palestinians and 
reducing the sanctions and bringing Iran back to the nations of oil distribution, you start to look at this picture and you say, they were just about to fold. If if Trump weren't ripped off and, and he were to have continued with his four years that he, I think, is entitled to, his additional four years, you would have had China in phase two by now. You would have had Iran at the negotiating table, negotiating a deal that's more favorable to the United States and less favorable to Iran. And Zarif wouldn't be cheering in the streets, the foreign minister of Iran, and drinking, popping champagne with John Kerry. No, or and Wendy Sherman and all those losers. No, what he would be doing is crying in his crying in his tofu. You know, he'd be crying in his soup. Crying the blues, complaining, whining like a typical libtard. We're victims, he'll say. And that's what they do, you know, they hit you all summer long, burning down your statues and burning down your buildings and clobbering police over the head and killing people in the streets like Black Lives Matter and Antifa do on a on a Thursday. And then all of a sudden, January 6th rolls around and the Capitol Police, we're now finding out, escort them in like it was a trap. It wasn't an insurrection, it was an infiltration. It was a false flag setup. And the Capitol Hill police know it. And the Capitol Hill police need to be held accountable. Somebody ought to know who shot Ashley Babbitt. Somebody ought to know that. Well, somebody does know that, but the American public who pays their salaries ought to know that. And we want to see all the tapes. We want full transparency, not cherry-picking Trump-supporting grandmas that live in middle America whose doors are getting busted down by our stupid FBI. For what? What kind of Gestapo place are we living in? And I bring all that up again because that's the salesman that's selling you vaccines now. Why in the world would you trust them? I don't. Do you? They just got done ringing your election. They just got done telling you that there was a Russian collusion with Trump only to find out, no, that's a hoax. They just got done trying to impeach your president twice. Once for the Ukraine call, which we found out was perfect. And secondly, for the January 6th, they call it an insurrection. I call it an infiltration. I call it a setup by the left to somehow prevent Trump from ever coming back to Washington. And that's the salesman that's selling you vaccines? The same people that lied to you about the masks? Because we just heard Rand Paul the other day on this show say the only mask that works is an N95 mask. If you don't have that, if you have some sort of diaper on your face or some cloth that's like hasn't been washed in two weeks, that ain't working. It's not effective. You might as well just go out without a mask. 
because it wasn't working. Social distancing may be helpful. Some people say, I wore the mask and I was social distancing and I haven't gotten a flu. I normally get a flu. Well, yeah, maybe that is true. Maybe you could live your life in a Petri dish, you know, or in a hyperbolic chamber and enjoy that while it lasts. You will never get the flu, but you also aren't living the life that you should be living. And I think that's something to think about as well. But the issue is, we don't trust the salesman. And why should we? They lie to us about the masks. They lie to us about the wet markets. That's another thing that bothers me, isn't it? Dr. Fauci, I was watching some tape, and there he is sitting there. We need to do something about those wet markets. See, he was basically complaining. He thought he had us. Oh, yeah, America people are so gullible. They'll believe this story. Yeah, they're eating the bat stew and somehow they got infected and I don't know what happened. He was, uh, you, you should have heard, when you go back and look at the tapes of where Fauci was, this is a guy that's been at, at NIH for like 40 something years, 50 years. He's been doing this for 50, 60 years. And he and his boss, Collins, are like the experts of experts. And they were at first saying masks don't have any efficacy whatsoever. Now, if you're sick, you can, you know, curb the spray, but that's about it. If you're a hospital healthcare professor, professor professional, you should get the you should wear the mask because of the exposure, but it's not effective. Then he said this on tape, on video. He said you know, the vaccine, I've never known a vaccine in my whole 50 years where if you're asymptomatic, it spreads. It doesn't spread if you're asymptomatic. Wow, that's a big one. And someone at the WHO said the same doggone thing. Then you got this other guy that was getting all the money and investing it in Wuhan and gain of function. And Dansk, Dansky, something like that. That's the villain right there, that guy. But Fauci was working with this guy, giving him the money, $13.7 million, and then he took the money and invested in Wuhan research. At about the time that they decided to lift the ban on gain of function. Lift the ban on gain of function? Why'd you do that? At the same time that you're trying to impeach our president, come hook or come crook, and at the same time that Nancy Pelosi is saying, we're going to get rid of this president one way or the other. At the same time that Nancy Pelosi is saying, Trump will never win re-election. At the same time that they're trying to block everything he does by, with lawsuit after lawsuit with regard to the border wall, all Trump was trying to do is help America keep our borders safe, prevent these innocent women and children that have this false impression that they can come to America and, and, and live the dream. That's not the way it worked. That's not the way it works in America, but they needed headcount because they know that they can convert that head, that physical head, that physical body, 
They can stamp it with a number, give it an ID, like a herd of cattle, and turn that into a registered voter and convert that registered voter into a ballot and take that ballot and throw it into a rigged machine and steal elections. Get those people and cart them to battleground states like Arizona, Georgia, Louisiana. Heck, who knows where. Wherever they need a vote, they can get that person there. And with this whole Cigna, uh, Cigna, uh, with this whole COVID rigged election, with this whole COVID thing, they can perpetually master the art of rigging elections through mail-in voter fraud, ballot harvesting, and things that they've been pros at in California since 1998. But now it's in River City, right? In a town near you. Right down in River City. Right down there in Ohio and Kansas and and elsewhere. They want to steal the country from you. They want to pack your court and destroy your constitution, take away your right to bear arms, violate your search and seizure protections of the Fourth Amendment, and take away your First Amendment God-given right to speak. Do you trust the salesman? That's the question. I don't. Who is the salesman? The salesman selling you the vaccine. That's what I'm talking about. That salesman selling you that vaccine. Do you trust the salesman? See, good salesman would say, it's not the product, it's the salesman. When you're selling, you're selling yourself. That's what good salesmen do. They sell themselves. They sell them on their honor, their integrity, their word. That's when a good salesman can sell ice to an Eskimo. If he's not lying, if truly the ice is effective for the Eskimo, they could sell it. Otherwise, he'd be lying and he wouldn't be a good salesman. But how can you how in the world can you trust the salesman? That's our vaccine when it's Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and Chuck Schumer, Crocodile Tears Chuck, and people like Joe Biden and his posse, and all the people that hated Trump. How can you trust that sales force, that sales team? So the reason why there's skepticism is because, doggone it, there should be. They rigged our elections. They created the Russian hoax. They created the Ukraine hoax. They support Hamas, Hezbollah, Antifa. Oh, and a lot of liberals will be that. They don't support Hamas and Hezbollah. Well, if you're financing Palestinians, you're supporting Hamas. And if you're taking away the sanctions and allowing Iran to come back into the oil trade, you're supporting Hezbollah. So don't tell me it's sort of like Fauci when he says, I didn't directly fund Wuhan. No, you funded the guy who funded Wuhan. And you knew it. But you're lying to us. You're parsing words like Tom Cotton said. Senator Cotton said that. He's, he's parsing his words. And Rand Paul, you know, was right up on it. So 
it is true that the Democrats who support BDS, who support the Palestinians, and don't really care that the Palestinians were bombing Israel first. And there was 3,000 missiles that went up, and, and Israel defended itself. And all of a sudden, Israel's the bad guy. It's, it's these libtards that basically shout off at the mouth, uh, put masks on and club people. And then when you fight back just once, they act like they're the victim. And I've seen so much tape of all of that. How about the empty hospitals in the beginning? Let's not forget about all these little details that we're forgetting about. I, I've always thought that the COVID thing was a way to rig the election. And there's a guy that says the COVID thing was always about the vaccine. And we're going to listen to this doctor talk about this and see what he has to say. It's kind of interesting. I uh, don't... Uh, well, he's a doctor. And I can't, I can't vouch for his integrity. But it was sent to me. He is a doctor. And he does make some good points. So, but... Just take a listen to what this uh, guy has to say. I, I don't have his name handy, but I think he might be said here in, the, in this uh, audio. I think this whole pandemic from the beginning was about the vaccine. Mm. So I think all roads lead to the vaccine and what it means. If there are already places in Southeast Asia and Europe. They're laying the groundwork for a compulsory vaccination. I mean compulsory. That means somebody pins you down to the ground and puts a needle in you. That's how bad stakeholders want vaccination. Listen, that's not of cost. You don't have to pay for it. It's all provided. There are people or stakeholders, they do want a needle in every arm. This needle in every arm is a very important um, uh, moniker. Why? Why do you want a needle in an arm? Let's take COVID recovered. Can't get the virus. Can't receive it. It has nothing to do. Why would they ever want a needle in the arm of a COVID recovered patient? Why? Three studies show higher safety events. See, the tension that Americans are feeling right now as they're trying to keep their jobs and go to work is they know they can die of the vaccine. That's the problem. If the vaccine was like water and you just got it, no side effects, who wouldn't take it? Say, hey, I'll, I'll comply. They got my social security number anyway in a database. I'm already marked. I'll just get marked. But no, there's something very unique about this vaccine. It's something about injecting something into, into a body that is so important to, to stakeholders that it doesn't matter. Kids 12 years old told they can make their own decision on this, and it could be their fatal decision. Think about that. North Carolina just passed that. Oh, kids 12 years old can, make, can decide on their own. There are four, over 4,000 dead Americans. There's over 10,000 dead people in Europe that die on days one, two, and three after the vaccine. Why are we pushing this in a way where people's jobs and their education and their livelihood decide on a decision that's potentially fatal? The tension, you can cut it with a knife. There are parents that say, listen, I want my kid to go to college this year, but I don't want to lose them to the vaccine. They know what's going on. The Internet is full of these cases, blood clots, strokes, immediate death. Now, I'm fortunate. I have not directly lost a patient to the vaccine. I told you most got vaccinated in January, December, January, February. Based on the safety data now, I can no longer recommend it. So that's a, that's a real battle. You know, you shouldn't be forced to... Uh Get a vaccine to send your child to school. 
or walk into a building to do business. You know, Oregon passed this law that says you can't walk into a building, office building, unless you have a vaccine passport. And again, that, that's where that 70-30 rule comes into play. Corporations aren't going to enforce vaccine passports and get on board with that kind of legislation of vaccine passports. They're not going to buy into that. So when Oregon passes that, it's because they are so radically left that they're ahead of the curve on that. But a lot of corporations are going to feel compelled to move from Oregon because they can't see any of their clients in their offices because only a third of people got the vaccine. They're pushing it. They're offering lotteries. They're giving you pizza. They're offering you beer vouchers. They're giving you all kinds of... Why? And the same people that are perpetuating this vaccine and pushing it so hard, they're on the forefront of pushing it like a pusher man. They're all the same people that told you to lock yourself indoors like a Petri dish of bacteria. And that we found out that the states that did that, like New Jersey and New York, they said if you took New Jersey and made it a country, it would be the worst country in the world. And that's the one, that's the one state that was making an example out of um, that gym up in northern New Jersey. How do you like that? I mean, that's ridiculous, isn't it? Where they were shutting everybody down, arresting people. And uh, Governor Murphy. I don't even know how this guy gets elected. He says such stupid things to boot. And so the states that did the lockdowns and the mask mandates and the restrictions the most are the states that performed the worst. And nobody has to own up on it. Dr. Fauci gets away with it. Everybody's getting away with it. This came at a huge expense of life lost. Andrew Cuomo got $5.2 million in a book advance to write a book about how great he was. He has got one of the worst set of numbers in his state. And he killed 6,000 elderly because he put them in a nursing homes that didn't have the proper HEPA filters and all these different kinds of filtration systems that are needed for a clean, sterile environment. And then they they didn't even use the comfort and mercy out west and out east, back east, out west. They didn't use them. They didn't use Samaritan's Purse. Those places were empty. Remember the videos of the guys running around on their bikes? going from hospital to hospital. Jason Goodman was one of those guys who was doing it. And it's like, I don't know. It's not this, this, you would think this was like a mash unit. But instead, it's it's like a ghost town. The only people that were actually active were the security detail that didn't want you to look inside. They didn't want you to witness anything. I mean, it was so strange. You can just tell that it was, Something else was going on. I got to tell you, it's just absolutely absurd. So, we have that. And uh, 
Oh, there was one other thing I wanted to 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 play for, related to that, but uh, can't I, I? Yeah, I can't play it, so I don't have it. It was Ram Paul, but basically we have another Ram Paul clip as well, and um, this is to do with gain of function. And uh, let's see. Well, Ram Paul says Dr. Fauci should be immediately fired. Let's take a listen to that. Well, let's see. We'll take a listen to that in just a, just a uno momento. Um, but uh, there's also, uh, we're going to play a clip where they had a vote. And the vote was related to gain of function. They banned gain of function, finally. And that's that, that's that um, research that enabled this virus to be manipulated. And, you know, all these doctors, I've said, COVID's easily manipulated. So we know that this was a uh, virus that um, was manipulated by man. And Dr. Fauci hid that, tried to talk about wet markets when he shouldn't have been. So let's uh, let's see. We just got a little bit more time before this stupid ad stops playing. And all right, here we go. So we're going to play this. No, nope. these ads are so bad. You go to an article, right? And you go to play the play the ad. Oh, you you go to play the uh, clip. And you can't. <laughs> it's a, it just makes it so you you got it. You can't use this uh, system anymore. Well, in any case, we're going to go ahead and play another clip. Nope. All right. Well, anyway, trust trust me when I tell you. And then maybe what I'll do is I'll get the clip when we're going to play another clip. There is also um, a recent interview with uh, Donald Trump. And we want to also play that. That's with Steve Cortez that happened last night. Um, and I thought, you know, why not listen to the real president talk about these things? Uh, we also are going to be talking about critical race theory here. No, I think I got it now. Let's see. Here we go. Hello, I'm Jessica Rivera with your latest news break in San Francisco, California. In New York, Oregon. Today on the show, speaking of the show, boy, New Hampshire, what's going on with these mysterious no, folded not... ballots? They brought in the endoscopic cameras. That sounds painful. Sorry about that, folks. Well, you know, I did this. This clip isn't what it says. It says Senator Paul says Dr. Anthony Fauci should be immediately fired. And that's that's the news that's going around town is uh, that that bit of that bit of news there. Um, I also want to talk about critical race theory before we get to Donald Trump. And I'm going to go ahead and play this clip right here. This is a pretty good clip. You've seen it countless times in the last year. It's really accelerated in the last year since George Floyd died. But affluent professional white people reaching a kind of religious ecstasy, talking about how much they despise themselves because of their own skin color. Mainstream Protestantism died in this country, and this variety of self-loathing appears to have taken its place. Here's the latest example. Yesterday, I realized that I'm white and that I have... 
By the way, this is a white woman, <laughs> an elderly white woman that looks about as liberal as you could possibly get, like a Birkenstock granola-eating liberal, right? <laughs> All the advantages of being part of that group. I was reading White Fragility. I'm like, oh, okay. I think I'm, I'm taking that next step in my journey to understanding what's happening what equity is about, what racial equity is about, what anti-racism is about, and what racism is about. I realized that I'm white as part of a white supremacy culture. How do you like that? Would you want one of those people teaching you, your, your children? Uh, Tennessee just passed a law that uh, says no critical race theory will be taught in our schools. So that's another state to do that. I just love it. You know, states dominate. So what's going on here again, that 70-30 rule, federal policy and state law. Uh, a lot of times, you know, just like Trump couldn't tell the states what to do with regard to election reforms. Those are local. I, I, I wish in one sense we would just get back to the basics and mandate all states play fair um, by one set of rules. Um, in one sense, but there's this thing of federalist papers, federalism and power to the states. And what that means is you have a choice to live in America in a red state or a blue state. And believe me, at this point, the distinguishing differences are dramatic. Now, I did find that clip with regard to uh, gain of function and Rand Paul. So this will be good. Uh, let's go ahead and take a listen to this. This was on the uh, Senate floor yesterday. Senator from Kentucky. We may never know whether the pandemic arose from the lab in Wuhan, but we do know that so far no intermediate animal host has been discovered. Thousands of animals at the wet market have been looked at. None of them have carried COVID-19. We've tried to infect COVID-19 into bats. It doesn't grow well in bats. It seems most adapted and suitable for humans. We may not know whether this ever arose out of a Wuhan lab, but I think gain-of-function research, where we take a deadly virus, sometimes much more deadly than COVID, and then we increase its transmissibility to mammals is wrong. In 2014, NIH stopped all of this research. I'm using the same definition to say any gain-of-function research should not be funded in China with U.S. taxpayer dollars, and I recommend a yes vote. Thank you. Mr. President, I ask unanimous consent to vitiate the 60-vote requirement for this amendment and yield back time. Is there objection? Without objection. All time is yielded back. The question is now on the amendment. All those in favor, say aye. Opposed, nay. It seems as if the ayes have it. <laughs> the amendment is agreed to. <laughs> so that's no, we're no longer financing China's gain-of-function research. That's good news. All right, before we run out of time, this is a good interview with Donald Trump just last night with Steve Cortez. Let's take a listen is deteriorating very fast, even faster than I would have thought your reaction. 
Well, it's pretty obvious. You look at what's going to happen is even scarier. The border is a disaster. We had the strongest border we've ever had, and within a month uh, it became the weakest, and now you have tens of thousands of people flowing into our countries, and many are criminals, frankly, released from jails in numerous countries. We have people coming in from the Middle East. We have people coming in from everywhere. You go to the airport, you have to show how you're doing. You come through the southern border and you just walk in. We had the strongest southern border ever, and it's very sad to see. Uh, the wall was so important. You know, We built almost 500 miles of wall, and within a month it would have been finished, and they ended it. They ended it. It right. took two and a half years to get the approvals to do it. I had to go to court. I had to do everything. We got the approvals. And so you have open spots, and it's ridiculous. I hear they're going to close them up, but now... It's a big deal with the contractors because those deals were those those transactions were made. It was all complete. But you look at so many other things. Uh, it's very sad to see what's happening. Inflation is going to be a big problem. It's going to drive a lot of things up and down, whichever is worse, because uh, bad things happen with inflation. But you see that happening all over lumber, the cost of lumber, the cost of gasoline. You look at gasoline, what's happened. I was at two eighty seven. Uh, was uh, was high. Uh, that's when I got involved, right. and uh, it was in the threes and a little bit in the fours. And then I got came in and I had it under two dollars. I had it for a dollar eighty seven actually. And when I left, it was under two dollars substantially. And now it's it's going to be hitting four dollars, and that's bigger than any tax increase you can think of, especially for middle income people. So a lot of bad things are happening. I don't think we're respected in the world right now. Uh, there would never moves on Taiwan by China. Now you have bombers flying over Taiwan. Right. Russia would have never encircled Ukraine like they did. Uh, Kim Jong-un was somebody that I had a great relationship with. We weren't going to have any problem with him, in my opinion. And now you look at what's going on there. A lot of bad things are happening. I want to ask you about the Wuhan lab. New reporting this week from the Wall Street Journal about workers there being so sickened as far back as November of 2019 that they were hospitalized. Uh, the corporate media, now the shameful biased corporate media, is starting to come around to recognize that perhaps that is the origin, in fact, of the China virus. Even Dr. Fauci is changing his tune. Do you feel vindicated? Well, I said it right at the beginning. That's where it came from. I think it was obvious to smart people that's where it came from. I have no doubt about it. I had no doubt about it. Uh, I was criticized by the press because China has a lot of people taken care of. They took care of Hunter. They took care of Joe. They took care of everybody, didn't they? And people didn't want to say China. Uh, usually they blame it on Russia. It's always Russia, Russia, Russia. But I said right at the beginning it came out of Wuhan. And that's where all the deaths were. Also, by the way, when we first heard about this, there were body bags, dead people laying all over Wuhan province. And that's where it happened to be located. So. To me, it was very obvious. I said it very strongly, and I was criticized, and now people are agreeing with me, so that's okay. When it comes to China, the more we learn about their malfeasance regarding the virus and what they knew very early on and lied to the world about, is it important for the United States that we make them pay a real penalty for what they did? Well, we have to be stronger than what we are right now. Right now, what's going on is just uh, very unfortunate. Uh, you know, I put massive taxes and tariffs on China. We took in tens of billions of dollars, and they're talking about taking them off. Uh, you look at the military they're building, it's going to be, you know, just so, it's so big what they're doing, and they're doing it with money they take out of the United States. And what I did was incredible with China. We really 
set them back. I don't, I don't want to set them back. I want to have a, let everybody do well. Uh, our farmers did well. The deal I made with China was incredible for our farmers and for manufacturers and uh, everybody else. And you see that the farmers are doing better than they've ever done because of what's being bought from China. But when the China virus came or COVID came, whatever you want to call it, there are a lot of different names. I won't go into all of them. <laughs> but when they came, Steve, it was a whole different ball game. When that, when that horrible uh, virus flew over the oceans or came however it came in. Remember, I closed our country to China way early, much earlier than Pelosi or anybody wanted it to happen, including Dr. Fauci. I always got along with pretty well, but I usually did the opposite of what he wanted. <laughs> he said the vaccine would take three to five years and probably wouldn't even happen. Right. And I got it done in less than nine months. I think that's one of the great achievements. And I think another great achievement, I think the best bet ever made was I bought billions and billions of dollars of vaccine before we knew it worked, before we had it approved, because otherwise we'd be waiting until October of this year. So well, you probably got vaccinated. Most people did. A lot of people did. A lot of people are going to. And we have some out there that don't want to, and that's their freedom. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's their freedom. I would recommend that they do it, but that's their freedom. We're very proud of what we've done. But if you look at the world, I think this could have been another Spanish flu from 1917 where up to 100 million people died. This was going to this was only going to be getting worse. And uh, the vaccine has just made I, I see numbers today are that we're doing better than we have now in here because of the vaccine, because people it's stopping. It's stopping this plague from spreading and going further. Other countries are behind us. Uh, we were way early. If you remember a very important part time when this started, everybody was saying, look at India, how well India is doing. Well, they're not doing well. Look at other countries. They talked about France. They talked about Spain. They talked about different countries. Look how they're doing. Now even Taiwan is being hit very hard. But any country that was doing better than us, they'd use that as an example. We did an incredible job with this horrible, with getting, you know, getting the ventilators and getting the outfits and the goggles and the masks and all of the things you had to do. We did an incredible job, but they'd always say, the fake news, look at India. They used to use India as the biggest because it was a big country and they were doing fine then, but boy, they are, they've gotten hit harder than anybody ever thought possible. But they'll get better because of the vaccines. The vaccine is the biggest thing that's happened and uh, second to that would be one of the best bets ever made, and that was the bet of billions and billions, up to $12 billion worth of uh, paraphernalia, but also, you know, for the, the bottles, we got the uh, injection apparatus, but most importantly, we got the vaccine, and we bought it early because it takes so long to manufacture. So instead of uh, having one now, people would be getting, you'd start the process on October 1st, so that was a great bet. That saved possibly, you know, tens of millions of lives worldwide. Mr. President, you mentioned gasoline, and uh, the specific uh, statistics are on Election Day, it was 220 a gallon national average, according to the Department of Energy. Right now, it's 311. That's a massive move incredibly quickly since Election Day. Uh, I want to ask you about inflation, though, more broadly, because you did business in the 1970s, the last time the U.S. saw really aggressive inflation. A lot of people, if they're young, have never operated in that kind of environment in America. Uh, what does this portend for Americans, this new Biden inflation spike? 
Well, it's going to be ugly. Uh, when you look at the cost of a house, uh, just the materials for a house, it's up 30 or 40 percent in the last few months, uh, especially lumber. Lumber, they say you can't even get it. Uh, perhaps they're closing down all their forests for environmental reasons. I disagreed with that. I said, let's buy our lumber from ourselves. So we go to Canada, and Canada is a very good, they are very good negotiators in Canada. I did the USMCA, which was one of the great achievements because NAFTA was so bad. It was so horrible. Worst trade deal ever made. Although the deals they made with China were pretty bad too, I will tell you that. But uh, the worst trade deal ever made. And I got it done. So we have a great trade deal now. But they close up forests. They don't want to take down any trees. So we end up buying them from other countries. And the lumber's gone through the roof. The lumber, I guess, as much as anything, but everything. Steel, you look at what's going on with pricing, and obviously you're going to have inflation. A gasoline is going to stop at six, seven dollars, I think, uh, based on what I'm seeing. We were energy independent when I left, and right now I would have to say we are no longer energy independent. We're putting windmills all over the place, which cost a fortune. Which, by the way, if you're a believer in the carbon footprint and all of the other things. When they make these windmills, which are all made in China and Germany, by the way, they're all made in China, Germany. We don't do them here. They put them together. We put them together here. We don't make them here. Uh, what goes into the air when they make them is more than anything that can ever be saved while we're here, if you're a believer in that. Okay, some people aren't, some people aren't. But we have windmills all over the place. They ruin the environment. They kill the birds. And they cost a fortune. We have natural gas. costs us nothing. Actually, nothing. They burn it off. When you're looking at all of the, those flames on top of the wells, that's natural gas that they burn off. They throw away. And we have it for nothing. Other countries don't have that. We have it for nothing. The richest in the world. And we want to give that away for windmills. You look at some of these beautiful farms where they have windmills all over the place. And you look at these incredible landscapes. And now they're putting them in parts of Massachusetts where a lot of people aren't so happy about it and uh, has a lot of negative impacts. I'm not a big fan of wind. It's very, very expensive. You see what happened in Texas where they actually froze up on them, right. got a little cold and they froze. Now, we have tremendous resources and uh, solar is going to get better, but it's very expensive right now. Wind has a place, but it's got a much smaller place they're, they're, what they're doing. You put them in industrial areas maybe, but to put them all over these incredible landscapes of our country, they're destroying our country. Sure. I think that Texas situation was a wake-up call for a lot of people if it could happen in energy-rich Texas, right? Well, especially in Texas because they have so much and it's for nothing. I mean, they literally are burning it off. It costs nothing. Somebody was giving me an analogy that uh, natural gas is one cent per however they measure it. Wind is 50 cents and 55 cents. Solar is 56 cents. So here we have it for one cent, but it's probably almost nothing. Delivery is probably the biggest thing. We have it. It's there. Right. It's a natural byproduct. We have it. Wind is so much more expensive. Sure. And remember this, when those windmills, after 10 years, they have to be replaced, and they start to rust and rot, and you go out to Palm Springs, California, and you take a look at those wind farms out there, they look like junkyards. Right. It's really a terrible thing, and uh, somebody led this country. I had it slowed down, but now they're really gearing up to do a lot of wind, and that's not a good thing.
Now, staying on this broad topic of the economy, I want to ask you about big business and specifically big tech. Because a lot of these firms, I would say most of these firms, they are globalists and they don't really view themselves as American companies anymore. They abuse American workers, they attack uh, our values. Was it a miss when we had both houses of Congress and you were in the White House? Was it a miss to not more aggressively confront big tech? Well, Section 230 could have been done, something could have been done, but something is happening now that's great. Uh, Florida, Ron, Texas, what they're doing is incredible. They're putting very, very powerful restrictions on big tech. Now, when you add Florida and you add what Greg Abbott's doing in Texas and, and the others and a lot of people together, and you look at other states, big states and small states, doesn't matter, you add them all up, they're not going to be able to function unless they become reasonable. So they're basically doing what the federal government will never do. They will never do it. They're, they're taken care of very nicely, the other side, the Democrats. Uh, some of the people, uh, Marsha Blackburn and, and uh, Josh Hawley and others, they're really fighting hard. But they're fighting a battle against uh, a group of people that just aren't going to do it. That's the Democrats. So what's happening is the big states are coming out. Florida, Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott in particular, those two governors have done an incredible job. I hear in South Dakota they're doing it. I hear in uh, maybe eight or nine different states they're doing it. That'll do it because I don't know how you can, you know, you're not going to lose Florida. They can't right. lose Florida, Texas, and some of these big states. They're going to have to make changes. So I think they can do what the federal government hasn't done, and it gives people like me and others that have been very illegally treated, it gives us the right to bring major lawsuits. When Facebook went to their so-called Supreme Court, their Supreme Court didn't want anything to do with banning me. Right. They went back, they said, what are you doing? What are you doing this to us for? You make the decision, which was pretty amazing when you think of it, considering everybody was hand-picked, right? So uh, it's very interesting what's happening. So I, I greatly respect what some of the governors are doing in some of the states. I think they can solve the problem maybe better than the federal government. Okay, but regarding the federal response, if the Republicans do retake the Congress, uh, as yeah. you're very much working toward in yeah. 2022, if you decide to run again and you win in 2024, in a potential, a hypothetical second Trump term, what can be done to counter the, the power of these oligarchs? Well, I think what can be done, and very strongly, and uh, when you say oligarchs, it's an interesting term, but yeah, I, I just say big tech because what they do is illegal. When they have drop boxes during elections, when they spend hundreds right. of millions of dollars, you have a maximum that you can spend of $5,600, and they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars as individuals to get drop boxes where all the votes, almost all of the votes were for Biden, and they take these boxes with thousands and thousands of votes, and they're late in delivery. Where have they been? And then you find out that the votes are mostly 96% in some cases of the votes of a Biden didn't happen. You know, the election was a fraud. It was a rigged election. And when you look at what they did, it's so illegal. 
So I think things are happening at a very fast pace, much faster than people understand. Sure. And listen, I, I use the term oligarch advisedly, I hope. I know it's a loaded term, but I think, it's, I think it's fitting here. And one of the reasons to what you just mentioned are what people like Mark Zuckerberg did during the election. Uh, part of what they did was not just manipulating voting procedures, but they also silenced what should have been the biggest blockbuster story of the entire campaign. Uh, you know that. I certainly experienced this from the campaign side, the fact that the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story was completely censored and suppressed by big tech in my view that justifies labeling these operators as, as oligarchs is that fair well a lot of things are fair look that was when we first had uh, silencio that's when we first had silence with hunter biden because it was very bad for the democrats that was a very bad issue and we'd bring it up and i have to tell you the new york post was incredible what they've done is incredible and the abuse they took, it was, you know, I think it's a great newspaper, actually, and a lot of people are relying on it more and more. The New York Post has done an incredible job in that, in that regard, but they took tremendous abuse. But that's when you first saw silence. They silenced a newspaper. It's the oldest right. newspaper in our country, I believe, and it's a big one. Right. But they silenced a newspaper in our country because they were talking about Hunter Biden. And... The other thing that they don't want to talk about when you hear this whole culture of keeping things quiet, let's not talk about, is the election fraud. What they're doing in Arizona, what they're doing in New Hampshire, what they're doing in Arizona, in, in uh, Georgia now is so incredible. It's so incredible, and nobody wants to talk about it. Now it's starting in Pennsylvania. I hear it's starting in Michigan, Wisconsin, because there was massive election for determinative, meaning changing of the state by tremendous numbers and and it's real and i tell you i give a lot of credit to the republican senators from the state of arizona because they took this the governor has been nothing zero right. he has done nothing and kemp has done nothing in georgia nothing it's incredible it's about voter integrity they don't want to They've done nothing. They don't even have in the new bill that everyone's saying is, is a bill, but it was much tougher a month before when they finally issued. They don't have a signature verification. They don't have a lot of the things you should have right. that's in Georgia. And they're still saying, oh, it's too tough. It's not tough. It's Believe me, uh, we're at the end of our show, but I will tell you that Arizona case uh, could be the beginning of some really big things uh, with regard to it, like a domino effect. Uh, on that. I wanted to say also, um, I'm glad he was talking about that, President Trump, and uh, talking about, you know, calling people out and giving credit where credit is due. Also, the the whole gain of function thing, um, you know, when that ban was lifted December 2017, heading into 2018, during all these impeachment witch hunts, you got to figure that this was a premeditated uh, event, that they lifted that ban for a reason and the COVID thing happened a year later and they released it to the world and they, it impacted trade, it impacted elections, it impacted globalist control of people. It did so many things. So we're going to be talking a lot more about that tomorrow um, but and, and also election fraud uh, tomorrow. But we're at the end of our show. My name's Scott Adams. Be sure to check out ScottAdamsShow.com for the podcast, BugleCall.org, and MagaPack.org for our nonprofit. All right, bye-bye now.